0: On this episode of the Breaking the Game podcast, we have our friend Lee from hoopsprospects.com who's going to come on here and talk a little bit about draft grades, starting with Dallas, and we'll end up with the Lakers going alphabetically here. You're not going to want to miss this show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this video. We're joined back here with Lee Branscombe, who is known on Twitter as Witch Carolina. You can follow him on there. and You can also see the great work that he does on hoopsprospects.com. Lee, what's going on, brother?
1: Steven, I appreciate you having me back on Breaking the Game. Um, we got to talk some draft grades last time, and and uh, you know we're kind of making it, making it a little bit of a segment. So I, I am uh, pumped to be back to talk about some of these uh, other teams that uh, finished up their NBA draft.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. We um we had planned to do a little bit more than what we uh ended up doing last time, but it's all good because we are going to, you know, we had four teams that we were going to that we were scheduled to talk about last time. We're going to still cover those teams and we'll press on with about four more teams today. We got you for a little bit longer today. Um for those of you who are familiar with the show, usually we're joined by Austin Carr. Um he and his wife right now uh, are dealing with a little bit of sickness. Not really sure what it is. It could potentially be COVID, but um just if you would, you know, just please keep them in your prayers. Um, I've been keeping up with Austin throughout the day. He seems to be in good spirits. Um, and again, they're just kind of waiting on results. But uh, you know, he's still, you know, hanging out with the family and doing doing the dad and uh, you know, husband thing. But he's he's doing all right from everything that I know. All righty. So Lee, we left off talking about the Dallas Mavericks. Was, was the next team that we talked about and you know they they selected josh green at 19 they selected tyrell terry at 31st at the 31st pick and then at 36 they selected tyler bay how did you grade them out lee yeah
1: so you know the maps was an interesting one for me because the trio of players i, I wasn't necessarily in love with um so so in regards to Josh Green, you know I had him 35th on my board um I thought the archetype that Josh Green represents was a great selection for Dallas because they need to kind of they need to continue to swing at like that kind of jumbo two-way wing with some shooting you know to to, to pair around Luca um they continue they continue to need like defensive toughness and versatility um which Josh Green certainly provides. I just thought there was a couple other, players available at that moment um that could have offered that and maybe been a little bit more of an immediate impact a guy like Sadiq Bey was still there he he, you know Mm -hmm. he went with the very next pick actually in the NBA draft um and even a player that I've brought up a few times like Robert Woodard so completely understand the pick um I, I think that you know, Dallas made a logical selection there with the type of player they took. I just would have preferred maybe a Sadiq Bay type. But Josh Green has got a lot of tools, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He's one of the better on-ball wing defenders, I think, in the draft, especially for being how young he is. So so I completely get it, even though I didn't have him ranked quite that that high. Similar with Tyrell Terry, he was 38th on my board. They got him at 31, mm-hmm. but you know, obviously, they made the the trade to acquire Josh Richardson, and they and they shipped out Seth Curry, um, who is a career 44% three point shooter, which is which is a little bit n- mind numbing when you actually uh, look at Seth as, as historically as a three point shooter. He's he's a top 10 guy, um, but I think they, you know, I think they think Tyrell Terry can kind of slide into that. Off-ball uh, elite perimeter shooter role uh, with Luca. Uh, maybe eventually down the road, Terry can can give you a little bit more on the ball creation than Seth did. Um, although he certainly has um, a long way to go to to kind of replicate the the shooting efficiency that that Curry was able to provide. And then Tyler Bay, man, I just one of those guys that I never f- fell in love with. He he was right outside of my top sixty. I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that when they see him as kind of a unique defensive prospect, which I can certainly have have some empathy towards that opinion. I just don't hold it myself. I thought Mm -hmm. his offense still has a long way to go, even though on a small sample size, he shot the ball okay from three. Um, So all that being said, I gave it a C plus um, just because from my perspective, I didn't love the trio of players, even though... I can talk myself into understanding why they made those selections at each spot.
0: Yeah. uh, So typically just to kind of give everybody a little bit of a refresher, uh, you and I, we've kind of been at different ends of the spectrum and analyzing the team so far. Here's where we're not too far off on this one. Lee, I I gave them a B minus. So I could, and ultimately I, I feel like I talked myself a little bit up into believing what other people are saying about, you know, Tyrell Terry and Tyler Bay. Um, I love the Josh Green pick. I Like you, I feel like there may have been other picks. But, you know, for anyone who's been keeping up with the draft, it, it's no secret that Dallas was rumored to really want Josh Green here. Right. Um, and, and, you know, they like him. They got their, the guy that they want. Um, I had him on my board at 19. So he, he kind of went appropriately based off of where I had him. Yep. Um, Tyrell Terry, I'm not super in love with him. I had him projected to be a late second. Um, you know, obviously the the comparisons to Seth Curry are, are very lofty. Right. And even Seth Curry wasn't himself right off the gate. You know, he took several years to develop into the player that he is now. So if you're saying that Tyrell Terry is basically the new Seth Curry, they're not going to be able to bank on him for a little bit. Right. And taking him at 31 when there were other guys who are a little bit more polished available and probably a bigger you know suitor for their needs. I didn't. I didn't really love that one. And then Tyler Bay too. I had him. On, he was another late second on my board. Again, I, I understand that people love athletes in the NBA, but not every athlete pans out. Um, you know, people are really high on his defense. I've even heard speculation that he can give minutes at small ball five. I don't see that in the NBA at all. Um, and really, when you watched a lot of his games in Colorado, where at least for me, Lee, uh, his shot selection. His attitude and his selective effort were all things that I notched him on mm-hmm. um, in evaluating a lot of his games. And to me, if you're going to be characterized as a great defender and a supreme athlete, you can't have attitude and selective effort issues. you know. And then on the offensive end, if you're limited, qu- having questionable shot selection on top of that really kind of knocks him down to me. Um, I felt like I kind of talked myself up on the idea of them a little bit, hearing other people evaluate them. Yep. But um, ultimately, I really love the Josh Green pick, but I'm not really in love with the other guys that they took.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great point that you kind of alluded to by saying, like, if you're expecting Tyrell Terry to be Seth Curry right off the bat, that's probably a little um, optimistic. I think the general, like, NBA draft, NBA Twitter hive mind just sometimes doesn't appreciate the fact that. Almost none of these second round picks historically are going to make it. I mean, there, there might be one or two guys in the second round, and because we evaluate these players and we get emotionally involved in them with our opinions, like we tend to forget that mm-hmm. almost none of these second round guys, from an historical data standpoint, are going to make it in the NBA. So, you know, we, we always do this where we overvalue second round picks, but it's part of the fun is the speculation, so we have to do it. Uh, I just, I just wanted to kind of reiterate that. I think that's a super important thing to kind of just contextualize and remember that all of these second round guys are swings and, and most of them are not going to hit. But uh, you know, a guy like Terrell Terry who can shoot off the dribble the way he can and shoot from range the way he can, maybe he'll figure it out, but it'll probably take a year or two. Um, And then the only other thing I was going to mention to, to kind of respond to you was for me with Tyler Bay, like if I'm gonna take a swing on a switchy, versatile, Ford, uh, unique defensive prospect, I thought Paul Reed, yeah, was, was was the one to do. If you're going for that archetype, now, you know, some people might would say Tyler Bay projects to figure out the shooting quicker than Paul Reed does, and I and I, that's probably true, honestly. But just from like a switchability standpoint, uh, from a like you. A unique defensive prospect standpoint. I like some of the tools that Paul Paul Reed brought uh over something that that the Tyler Bay would. That's just me though.
0: No, that's not just you. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Where did you do you happen to know where you had Paul Reed on your big board by chance there? So
1: Paul Reed was on my big board, Tyler Bay was not, and Tyler Bay was the one who was right outside my top 60. So it's not like I had him, um, you know, 140 or something, but Paul Reed, without looking at it, he was right in like the 50 to 60 range for me. I don't remember exactly where.
0: So I I love his his game a little bit more than you, obviously. um, Or honestly, I had him 24th, 23rd on my board. And I, I think that he realistically can give you some small ball five minutes because of his size. And his, you know, just he's built like a small ball four or five
1: he's got a better chance than bay does to eventually offer that i agree with that completely
0: yeah and i think that his offense is even though he doesn't really have the range or at least you know projected out to have the range he does have some better offensive skill sets and and weapons that compared to tyler bay that i like a little bit more in all honesty i'm super high on paul reed i'm surprised he went as far as he did yep all right. Well, uh, we're gonna roll into the Denver Nuggets next. Lee, they took Zeke Naji with the twenty-second overall pick, followed by RJ Hampton with the twenty-fourth pick. A uh, little bit of a head scratcher to me in this draft. I mean, you could have flipped these two around, and I would still have question marks on the one the way that the draft overall went. Yep. And and then two, like the. The infatuation that they had with Zeke Naji, I I didn't have him really projected to be that high anywhere in the first round or even a high second. I had him, you know, in the, in the mid second round pick. What are your thoughts on Zeke Naji?
1: Yeah, so so Zeke Naji um, was a player that I originally was not very high on and kind of grew on me through the process of a you know obviously when you're evaluating that Arizona team, you had to basically be watching three guys all the time (laughs) maybe four or five depending on who they were playing in the pac 12 you know so if arizona's playing washington you're trying to watch five guys so i think that's why it took a little bit longer for zeke to kind of uh wash over me a little bit now i had zeke Najee at 30 so just at the tail end of the first round so 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 even saying that i do like him as a prospect i thought they you know at 22, I would consider that from my own board just a just a slight reach. There were a couple bigs mm-hmm. on the board, a guy like Daniel Oturu that I was a little bit higher on. Um, but what I'll say about Zeke Nagy is because Denver lost Mason Plumlee in free agency, and because they didn't re-sign Jeremy Grant in free agency, they bought they brought back Millsap at a decent number. Like they did probably need to uh, address their front court depth. So I think it makes sense from that standpoint. The other thing is I'll say about Zeke Nagy is he plays really hard. He, he has a motor. He doesn't have great hands yet. Mm-hmm. He can stretch the floor, but I think that gets overblown a little bit. Like people act like he's going to be shooting 37% from three in the NBA right away. I don't think that's the case, but I think he's a decent pick and pop option. Yeah. The one thing that, that kind of pushed me over the edge to to give Zeke the nod to be in my late first round is he shows some flashes with um like uh, as a front court passer, he'll mm-hmm. drop down some really nice bounce bounce passes on the high low. He'll flash into the middle of the zone and skip it to the other side. So he shows some um, optimism on being able to like diagnose help side defense and, and, and swinging the ball to the right places, which I like. Um, so, you know, again, just to kind of, wrap up, I guess. Tiny bit of a reach. Had a couple other bigs on the board I would have preferred, but think it's a good roster fit. And I do like Zeke Nagy as like a late first round talent. And honestly, I could almost say the same thing for the same exact kind of thesis there I could say for the RJ Hampton pick too. I feel very similar about that. Slight, 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 slight reach. Understand why they did it. Um, would have preferred another young winger to to him. I had him at twenty nine. They took him at twenty four. So not completely outside of my range. Um, I gave the Nuggets a B plus.
0: Okay, fair enough. I gave them a B. So again, we're not too far off from each other. The way that this uh, episode's starting, brother.
1: We got all our disagreements out last time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure we got more coming. But I, I I do like the harmony that we have, especially with my guy Austin gone. You know, like yep. we, I need someone in my corner right now, right? So. <laughs> But uh, but to be honest, last time he agreed with you a lot more than he agreed he with me. So <laughs> if anything, I would just get double teamed. But um, you a lot of the sentiments that you gave for his Naji, I will say, uh, for under my strengths column that I have for him, his motor and his rebounding, right? Like that's yep. the that's the high end, that's the immediate thing that you get from him. He did flash a little bit of that playmaking ability, but. You know his his pick and roll defense. I felt like was a little bit suspect. And when you already have a guy like Nikola Jokic who kind of has that same weakness, I feel like you're kind of you're not really addressing other weaknesses. Now I had guys like Vernon Carey Jr., Richards, Aturu, and even uh, Diakite. Yep. I had all of those guys ranked higher than him. Uh, like I said, he was 40, uh, 45th on my board. Uh, so I really wasn't in love with that now however rj hampton taking him at 24 he was like 13th on my board so i like what he gives he's going to be able to give them a little bit of versatility uh, a little bit of long term you know kind of pairing up with michael porter jr uh Nikola Jokic, you'll know, bowl bowl and you know murray as well like if everything pans out for him, like you could have a very formidable core growing down the line. And I really like that. He gives them another ball handler, something Denver doesn't really ever have a shortage of these days. Right. So um, obviously the defense, um, he's still, he's a great athlete too. So he gives them a little bit of, you know, ability to run down the court uh, in the, in the open floor. Just another guy who can cut for a Nikola Jokic dump off pass. I really Mm -hmm. like the way that that offense could look with an RJ Hampton on that team. So, Overall, I, I gave them a B. Uh, not in love with Zeke Naji. If they would have drafted, like you said, even Oturu, I think that he kind of has that, that kind of quirky skill set that seems to fit mm-hmm. in Denver. I thought that he would have been an excellent selection for them.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think uh, to go back to Zeke just for one comment, it's a great point. He, he does have some... Um, pick and roll switchability concerns I think he could get stuck out on the island against some wings and guards and really struggle you know it'll be interesting to see how they kind of um, negotiate uh, the rotation between you know will Bull Bull be able to crack the rotation this year will Zeke Nagy kind of jump ahead of him from a development standpoint will Zeke Nagy spend some time as a two-way guy like that's certainly possible so Denver, to your point, has a fascinating kind of lot. I mean, you know, if you look at their cap table, I mean, they've got Murray, Jokic, uh, Porter Jr., all these guys locked in for long-term money um, and not terrible money, really. No. I mean, even Gary Harris, who's got a, a slightly larger uh, bill, um, you know, proved to be a useful player when he got back and was healthy Uh, Will Barton wasn't even in the bubble with them Uh, and he was maybe their third best player all year. So, you know, Denver is a team that is on the rise and is set up very well to, to have kind of an economical future with all these young players and, and their core guys already, uh, you know, already re-signed. Um, So they're playing with house money basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and the point that you brought up about Jamal Murray uh, having him locked up, they kind of did with him what they did what uh, you see teams do with a guy like Jalen Brown or a team you know a guy like Marcus Smart for the Boston Celtics. They re-signed him prior to them really getting to close to the top of their potential, you know, realizing yeah. that potential, really growing into that star. We saw Murray, especially in the bubble this this off season, or this postseason, right, really grow into. a a great value contract. Like even though he's in the twenties, usually you see a guy like that in the NBA today, he's making like 30 million a year. So they already have good equity, you know, to use a, a real estate term here, you know, they, they did well as far as, you know, negotiating the future and still being able to add on to it with these two guys. I'm not big on Najee, but I mean, if he pans out the way that, you know, Denver usually has their guys pan out, Right. you could have a, a great starting five and a young one to boot. So uh, it, it's a great point. Uh, now we're going to roll into the Detroit Pistons. We're just grading their draft here. We're not grading their free agency because the draft happened first. Um, you know, it would be interesting to see how they would have addressed the draft had they had free agency come firstly. I, I think that, you know, they took Killian Hayes at seven. They took Isaiah Stewart at 16 Sadiq Bay at 19. And then they got Sabin Lee at 38 here. Very kind of, it seemed like they did well and then they took a step back to me. Then they did well and then they took another step back to me. Where did you think of their draft, Lee? Detroit
1: was the most uh, interesting, fascinating, uh, confusing, uh, probably team on draft night. Uh, I mean, they were just wheeling and dealing. You know, all of a sudden you were realizing that they had made three picks in the top 20 and had another one coming in the second round. Obviously, they made a ton of offseason moves to kind of restructure um, their roster, really. Obviously, they have a new front office with general manager Troy Weaver, and and he's certainly shaking things up in Detroit. Um, So, look, the Killian Hayes pick makes all the sense in the world. Detroit desperately needed an on-the-ball playmaker. Um, a a young point guard of the future. They got that in Killian Hayes. Again, this is one of those deals where I completely understand why they made the pick. I just had a preference towards some of the other point guards in the draft, such as Akira Lewis Jr. or Tyrese Halliburton. Mm -hmm. Um, So those guys were available there. They chose Killian Hayes over them. It'll probably take two to three to four years to figure out who was right, you know, um, but again, Detroit, especially after trading Bruce Brown, like they desperately needed, yeah. uh, somebody on the ball. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that they can just kind of hand the keys to Killian Hayes. Although look, Derek Rose is still there, but I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him before the deadline to like a contender type of team. Um, yeah. the, the, look, the, the, the Isaiah Stewart pick, I, I can't defend it. I, I, I am willing to uh eat crow on isaiah stewart if i have to in two or three years and i I will fully admit to it if he ends up being a productive nba player he was the 60th 60th rated player Mm -hmm. on my board he went 16th just outside of the lottery if i'm wrong on isaiah stewart it'll be because he does have probably maybe the best motor in the draft he's just a a dogged determined post player that that you know, kind of plays like his shoes are on fire. I just don't see the production translating to the NBA level. I think he's going to struggle to finish around the rim. He doesn't really stretch the floor. He's not a great passer. He's like a solid bench defender, I think, as a ceiling, which is why I had him in my second round. Um, Now Sadiq Bey, that's a home run in my opinion. I had Mm -hmm. him on my board um, ahead of some of the other wings that people liked. Like I had Sadiq Bey ahead of Devin Vassell. So I think that's a home run. Don't love the first two picks. And then Saban Lee, a guy that I liked because I thought he was underrated. Like mm-hmm. I thought Saban Lee for me, he was he was outside of my top 60, but he was one of those players I really debated on on putting him in late, like 58, 59, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so I really like Saban Lee and I thought <laughs> I was higher on him than most until the Pistons take him at 38. And I'm like, I'm out. You know, yeah. I I just don't get that. Um, I do see a path for Saban Lee to eventually be a like like a rotational NBA player because when you're talking about like a downhill rim attacker, an explosive vertical athlete, I mean, Saban Lee is – he's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still has so far to go as a defender, as a shooter, as a playmaker, as a passer.
0: NBA but, ball handler.
1: Absolutely. So he's yeah. just this kind of um, bottleneck of like potential and raw athleticism Without really having any of the tangible skills yet to speak of, so um, I give the Pistons a C. I, I mean, I love the I love the Sadiq Pe, I love the Sadiq Bay pick. Uh, I think he's a dark horse, like uh, second all rookie team guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, and it's not that I don't like Killian Hayes. I just liked some of the better the other options. He was fifteenth on my board. They took him at seven.
0: Okay. Yeah. I had him a little bit higher on my board, but I had him behind the aforementioned Keir Lewis Jr. and Tyrese Halliburton, right. and obviously LaMelo Ball. Uh, yeah. I, I liked them taking Killian Hayes here. He was my ninth prospect. So it, that made sense. But with Halliburton there, like, I don't know what any team, you know, there he did suffer a foot injury in school. So, like, maybe that concerned teams. But my goodness, if you needed a point guard, I don't understand why anybody was taken over Tyrese Halliburton, but we've, we've gushed over him a lot on our show already. Um, so we don't, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time there. Uh, I, but I do understand taking Halliburton here. Stewart was 33rd on my board. So oh. like I, I share a lot of the same sentiments as you. I didn't have him as low as you, but I didn't have him anywhere close to being the 16th pick. Um, there were several other guys that were available. The, to me, the thing that worries me about Stewart is the fact that he could easily get played off the floor in certain matchups. And he he can get in foul trouble way easy, too. Now, there have been, you know, interviews and, you know, questions asked of him about how he played in Washington. And maybe it's the same thing that he sees in himself that I see in Jaden McDaniels. You know, outside of Washington, you know, these guys could end up being completely new and better players, you know. So he said that he didn't get to do a lot of the things that he did in high school in washington which was stretching the floor too so maybe he has that in his back pocket you know we didn't get to see it we can only evaluate what we see right at least like i i didn't have him that high sadiq bay i had him high like you i did not think i had him at 10 but you know i had him in like that 14 range and so taking him at 19 i still think was a great get and sabin lee to be honest with you he wasn't even in my top 100 so um you know, taking them at 38, there, I, I could give a, a whole laundry list of guys that I would have probably preferred, even at that same position over Sabin Lee. But with that being said, I think if you get the taste out of your mouth on their offseason in general and look just solely at the draft, look at the guys that they got. I give them a solid B just because yep. I think that Killian Hayes, even though he's, you know, the fourth best point guard in this draft of a pretty top heavy point guard draft class, I think that that speaks volumes in the Sadiq Bay. I would have loved to see him go to a contender, you know, or a potential playoff team. I think that he gives you a little bit of something there. Like in Phoenix, I think that I think that he would have been great in Phoenix or maybe even a San Antonio. But um
1: Portland was he, another place I liked him.
0: Portland. I like Portland trying to get Paul Reed and Sadiq Bay in the draft. I think that that would have been, you know, a home run of a draft for those guys. But uh yeah, I, I gave them a B overall. And then up next we have the golden state warriors lee now we know that they had you know right on draft night they found out that clay thompson was hurt and is going to be hurt again for an entire another season uh and right before draft you know it's like okay do we change our plans do we trade up do we trade out you know do we draft a guy who we could probably get later at the second pick because nobody is wanting to trade up in this draft this season you know in that top three pick um uh, you know, they they stuck to what I believe was their original plan in the first place. They took Jameis Wiseman with the second pick. They took a guy that I'm super high on, Nico Mannion, at forty eight. They even I just found out too that they negotiated his contract into a two way deal. Oh. So it may be one of those things to where, you know, kind of what we see with Bull Bowl, Bowl, you know, the first season will be a two way and then they'll fully guarantee it through the rest of his, you know, time in Golden State. And then correct me if I'm saying this name wrongly, Justinian <laughs> Jessup. I think you got it. I think I, think I got it. So, got it. and they took him at 51. Uh what did you think of how Golden State did in this draft lee?
1: Yeah, so um I gave it a B minus. Um, I, you know, look, I was a little lower on Wiseman um than most. Uh he was either eighth or ninth on my board. I did have a Kong Wu slightly ahead mm. of him.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I I preferred a Kong Wu as as a post, but Look for this Golden State roster. Who, like you mentioned, you know, just the tragic news for Klay Thompson. I just miss seeing the guy play basketball. I mean, he's yeah. one of my favorite players of this generation. Um, and you know, not knowing if we'll ever see the Splash Brothers at the peak of their powers again is, is disappointing. Um, but you know, I enjoyed them while they were the while they were. So so that's 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 all well and good. Um, but but Wiseman fits perfectly. I, I mean you know a a a a lob th- a massive athletic lob threat for Steph Curry and even for Draymond Green on those kind of just classic short roll you know Steph getting two or three defenders sucked towards him dips it to Draymond Green who's going on a 3 on 2 towards the basket he can either kick it out or he can throw that patented lob pass Wiseman is the perfect recipient for those type of plays that makes a ton of sense the Warriors had almost no rim protection on this team besides Draymond Green. Um, so, so that makes a ton of sense as well. They also are going to have to play players like Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert in the Western Conference playoffs. So it makes sense for them to uh, draft a big man of the future. Um yep. So I don't know that we're done yet with with the Warriors in regards to to roster moves. They obviously still have some assets they could package and move if they ch- so chose to. Um, Nico Mannion at forty eight, I had him at fifty three, so right in the range where I thought it was appropriate for him. I'm a little a uh, little down on him compared to it sounds like where you had him. <laughs> yes. Yes, I thought <laughs> uh, I thought I, the two way thing, thing makes a ton of sense to me. I thought Nico was is a really nice long-term guard prospect. I think he's uh, still a little bit rough around the edges um, from a shooting efficiency standpoint, from a defensive standpoint. But, um, you know, he is a much better athlete than people realize. He has better body control around the rim for finishing than people realize. He's a pretty solid pick-and-roll decision maker. Um, Mm -hmm. So although, look, there's not a ton of – guard minutes frankly available if you have a healthy mvp type steph curry but for a guy for the warriors to develop which they do very well to, to for him to be on a two-way contract and maybe split some time between santa cruz and san francisco um he was writing an appropriate range for me so so i like that and then jessup you know, Jessup, honestly, just to be completely frank, was a guy I didn't evaluate a ton because he was already playing in Europe. So yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't expect him to be drafted, uh, although from everything I've heard and seen, he is one of the best shot makers in this draft, and he's got some real size on the wing. So maybe this was just Golden State's way of uh, kind of uh, your, your rare, like, domestic – but but draft and stash because he's already over in europe um and, and maybe I have that wrong maybe Jess's not a domestic kid but I thought he was an American um
0: yeah I, I believe he is I think yeah, he I is
1: too so um so, so that's interesting and um and look you can't disparage golden State for taking another big wing that can shoot because they've done pretty well with those guys in the past
0: Yeah and it's weird to me in this draft and and seeing what golden State did I gave them an A plus. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was higher on Wiseman and I think that he kind of fell victim to not playing in the public eye very much. You know, we had three games of him, and he did very well in those three games. And then that's all we got to see. And then we started seeing guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin, like guys that we weren't really talking about coming into this draft class. Start shooting up draft class, you know, Killian Hayes.
1: Object uh, syndrome.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Onyeka Okongwu, like all these guys who, you know, if Halliburton would have played an entire year, I think that he would have been the consistent number one pick. I think that's just – I think that's easy. But a lot of people benefited from him not playing. Yep. But, you know, they took him uh, number one. To me, this is kind of like – you know, I, I may take heat for this. This is kind of like the – uh the Kevin Durant and Greg Odin draft all over again to me, right? Like if we would have seen a full season, he would have been the consistent number one guy. Just like I thought and several other people thought that KD, you know, was right. probably the better NBA player. Not that Greg Oden, e- even injury free, like injury free Greg Odin would have been a great player. Right. I don't think that anybody doubts that. Right. But I just think that KD was the, the better, you know, more polished guy. And he had, more upside you know Greg Oden was basically just a monster among boys when he was playing in school I think that James Wiseman is going to have that type of effect not that he's going to be a Kevin Durant obviously like hardly anybody ever is you know just in this draft I think we're going to look back and see like how in the world did Wiseman you know get taken after Anthony Edwards right Uh, who I think that we're both a little bit more bullish on than other people Yep. but uh yeah Mannion I had him 13th on my board I really liked his game. Oh, I, I just I just want to say, you know, as we as you were talking about Jessup and Mannion, don't these guys seem like they're just like infant splash brothers? Like I just think that yeah. they both kind of give me the same type of vibe. Like Mannion has the ball handling ability, he can shoot. He took very difficult shots in Arizona. I think his, his the game is going to be you know, more simplified for him in Golden State. And his ability to pass the ball is also very, very excellent out of the pick and roll. He can make very dynamic and, you know, kind of bend the defense a little bit with his playmaking. And then Jessup, he's six seven, shot 40% from three, 96% from the free throw line, had low turnover and foul rate. Who does that sound like? Right. Clay Thompson, right? So, like, these are like the, the, the infant, like, crawling, still breastfeeding almost versions of the Splash Brothers to me in my eyes. I gave them an A+.
1: I love it, man. I mean, look, if you as high as you were on Nico for them to get them to, to get him as late as they did, that has to be an A plus then,
0: for yeah. you
1: you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then like you said, with Justinian Jessup, before we move on to the Rockets, I didn't evaluate him that much either. He wasn't even in my top 100. And I think he kind of fell, fell victim to what you mentioned. And then also playing in the West Coast, it's really hard for a lot of East Coasters to, you know, specifically evaluate those guys. And I think that without even realizing it, like people will tend to have those West Coast guys a little bit lower because unless they just digest film like you and I do, you know, they're going to fall.
1: How often are you staying up to watch Arizona State and Oregon on like a Wednesday night?
0: (laughs) Not very often, not very often, especially when –
1: on the call, then I'm all in.
0: Yeah, there you go, especially when you just got done watching like a Kentucky – you know, yeah. or a uh, Memphis, you know, earlier in the day, like you got your fill, you, you're full of foot or a uh, basketball right there. All right there, Lee, the Houston Rockets. This is a much shorter one. Uh, they traded out of the 16th pick Um in, in a move where ultimately that pick was traded around and it ultimately ended up becoming Sidique Bay, yeah. uh, which, you know, I think that he would have been an excellent Houston rocket. Just putting that out there. Uh and then they ended up at the 52nd pick, they ended up buying this, and then they took Kenyon Martin Jr., who Kenyon Martin Sr. was the former number one overall pick out of Cincinnati, and he was a he was a monster. Kenyon's a little shorter, a little thinner. He's obviously still got room to grow because I think he's either just turned 18 or he's about to. Like he's still a teenager. Oh. And it's Obviously the Rockets with the 52nd pick, you know, why not take a flyer on a big man, right? You know, they just got Boogie cousins. We don't know what he's going to look like. And then they signed Christian Wood. Lee, what do you think of the draft that the Rockets had?
1: Yeah, I thought, you know, I wish they wouldn't have traded out of that pick in the first round. I thought they could have gotten a guy like you just mentioned, a guy like Sadiq Bay that could have offered immediate kind of uh perimeter shooting perimeter defensive help for the, for their, you know, core that they're bringing back with Harden and Westbrook and, and PJ Tucker. You mentioned the Christian Wood signing, which I, which I think is great. I just, I don't understand why the Rockets traded Robert Covington if they're trying to run it back. Like, right. Uh, if you're trying to compete, you know, Robert Covington is a very useful player for, for competing, which is why, you know, which is why I love what Portland did to, to, to get him. Um, I gave this draft a D. You know, I mean, look, Kenyon Martin Jr., maybe he eventually becomes something. Um, like you said, he is incredibly young and he does have some very impressive raw tools. He was not on my he was not in my top 60. Uh, he was not a player that that I honestly dove very, very deep on. Um, and so so maybe that'll come back to bite me. But uh what I did see of Kenyon Martin Jr. didn't exactly um It didn't exactly entrance me. Like, like I I didn't feel like he was a guy that I needed to really continue to, to, to truly evaluate. So he was off my board. Um, now will he potentially have some success because of the system he's in? I mean, if you put a young bouncy, uh, batter, you know, just supercharged athlete on the floor with James Harden, that type of player can can garner some easy opportunities in transition and then and in the half court just from simple you know cutting and playmaking off of harden and westbrook so you know maybe we see him contribute a little bit but i, I you know i wouldn't put all my chips in on 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 that uh, hypothesis so i don't love the fact that they traded out of the first round i didn't love their second round pick I, I don't really have any choice here but to give them a d
0: yeah i i didn't go too much higher i gave them a d plus the reason that I think that they traded out of Robert Covington, right, because he was – if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the figures in front of me. I think he makes around $11 million, $10 million, $10, $11 million a year. So trading that salary away really helped them be able to sign a Christian Wood who I think they needed more than a Robert Covington, right? So um, you give up a little bit. You get a little bit more of what you needed, and uh, you, you buy the second-round pick. You, you take a flyer on Kenyon Martin Jr. I had I had him like ninety second on my big board. I did evaluate him in my top one hundred. Um, so obviously, I liked a, a lot of guys ahead of him. How about a Paul Reed on this team, Lee? How how great would Paul Reed have been in the system, especially when you trade out a Robert Covington? You have a guy who can you know play a little bit of offense, can defend about three positions. I think in the NBA, right off the jump, um, especially in certain lineups, I think you know. You kind of drafted a D league guy right here. You know, this is a guy that's a imme- You're immediately gonna, you know, put in your in your development team, and you're just gonna hope and wish. Which, you know, Houston has kind of struck gold a little bit on some, um, you know, guys that other teams have given up on, like a Ben Mclemore, uh, a, a Daniel House, you know, players like that. So maybe he kind of develops into that. But those guys have already been playing NBA basketball for a few seasons. We're we're talking about a guy who is either he may not even still legally be an adult or if he is he like just became one and you're and you you take him at 52nd. I think that you could assign him to a two-way deal, you know, right after that. He could I think he would have been undrafted if you didn't take him, Houston. So I gave them a D plus because I think that in a roundabout way they saved a little bit of money to get a Christian Wood. So I get that aspect. But ultimately you you do all that, you trade out of the first round. There were a couple guys who I think that could have really helped the team immediately. I mentioned a guy like Paul Reed, uh, Cassius Winston, Cassius Stanley, yep. uh, you know Grant Riller, hello, uh, yep. Sam Merrill. All mm-hmm. these guys could have been better Houston Rocket prospects in my eyes at that spot. Yeah,
1: I tend to agree. And It's a good, you know, I, I just looked at the cap table. Covington makes like twelve a year, so yeah. it's a fair point. Like if they kind of needed to restructure the roster to bring Christian Wood in, I, I don't know if they if they had to do that to bring him in. But if that was kind of their line of thinking, then I, I get what I get what they're doing there to kind of uh, reconfigure that roster around Harden and Westbrook mm-hmm. and have a little bit more front court depth uh, to go along with PJ Tucker. So, I mean, look, the Rockets are still a playoff team. I think I feel like people are kind of like down on them, deservedly so. I think they've had a really weird offseason. But when you have James Harden and then you have some ancillary pieces like you mentioned, Daniel House, Christian Wood, Russell Westbrook, um, Ben McLemore. Yeah, they're still, you know, James Harden is going to carry them you know, into uh, at least like a six or seven seed in my mind, barring some major injuries. Um, but I don't think they did anything to help themselves as like a true championship contender.
0: Yeah, especially on draft night. And right. and to your point, I would have preferred them to keep Covington and maybe trade out an Eric Gordon, who has been really hit and miss with that team. Yep. But you, you're probably on draft night going to get, and, and they did, they got a couple picks, right, for, Robert Covington, you're not going to get that same return for an Eric Gordon at this stage in his career, so I get trying to build but then you trade the pick, <laughs> you know what I mean, then you trade that first round pick so that that didn't make sense to me, but I again, you know, the, the cap space that they, that they got to be able to get a guy who can play the four and the five and a Christian Wood, I totally understand Alright Lee, we'll transition now to the Indiana Pacers, their only pick of the draft, they took Cassius Stanley out of Duke, or Yep. Duke. Yes. At Duke. Yep. Sorry. Um, at the 54th overall pick, I had him 42nd on my board Lee. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Cassius Stanley here?
1: Yeah. So, so Cassius Stanley was one of those guys that I didn't necessarily like really beat the drum on. Like I did a Peyton Pritchard or Emmanuel quickly or a Turu, but he, I mean, Cassius Stanley to me was a first round talent. I had him 22nd on my board Ooh. Uh, so I think the Indiana Pacers did a unbelievable job to get him. At Duke 4. <laughs> Cassius Stanley, 6,6 out just true outlier from an athletic standpoint. I mean, this this is a guy that came into Duke and, and, and broke Zion Williamson's vertical leap record, you know, after Zion said it the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, and he, and look, he's not one of those like empty empty calorie athletes like a guy that can just kind of wow you on a fast break or in warm-up lines, but doesn't really translate to the game. We've all seen those type of players. Um, Cassius Stanley is one of those guys who will go up in transition and, and and rebound the ball at the top of its apex. He'll make a great catch in transition with his athleticism and finish around the rim, um, put back offensive dunk. So, like, the point I'm trying to make is – Cassius Stanley is an incredible athlete, and he knows how to use it in a func- functional basketball sense. So it's not empty; it's not empty calorie athlete, athletic type of performance here. Um, he's also a better catch and shoot player already, I think, than people realize. He didn't have eye popping efficiency, but he shot over thirty four percent from three.
0: I want to say thirty six percent is I think, what I have recorded.
1: Yeah, I think it was thirty six and. He also, analytically, from a synergy standpoint, when you look at just kind of his purely catch-and-shoot numbers, he's pretty efficient. So if he's an outlier athlete at 6'6", he did a pretty good job on some veteran wings in the ACC defensively. Like if you go back and watch the Louisville game, he did a good job on Jordan Wara. Um, So he brings a little bit of that, and then he's already a little bit farther along than people realize as a catch-and-shoot player. Undervalued, in my opinion. I thought Indiana did a great job. now. From a rotation standpoint, with T.J. Warren and Jeremy Lamb coming back and Oladipo, maybe may be hard for him to find the floor. But I think in three to four years, we will look back at this draft and say, wow, you know, Cassius Stanley at 54, he's a rotational wing. Why wasn't he more like 25 or 26? Um, and then one more thing that I'll say very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: an unsigned guy that they picked up, Rayshon Hammonds from the University of Georgia.
0: Yes, I'm. I'm a big Hammonds guy too. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Hammonds was 49th on my board. I thought he was draftable. Um, you know, obviously Anthony Edwards got all the headlines at Georgia and deservedly so. It's very, very, very possible historically that Rayshon Hammonds will be out of the league in three years. But if you're going to take swings on those two-way guys, why would you not take a swing on a six-nine swing man? who can stretch the floor, put the ball on the floor a little bit as a playmaker. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Rayshawn Hammonds is the prototype modern NBA 3-4 if he can put it all together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I have, Like I said, I had Cassius Stanley, and the reason I got confused on the Duke thing is I have (laughs) Cassius Winston so ingrained in my head because I love him so much that anybody with the name Cassius, I have to stop and really think about what I'm about to say. But, um, you know, I had him 42nd on my board, so obviously I'm a little bit lower on him than you. Yep. But at the 54th pick to take my 42nd best player, that, that's, you know, that's great value there. Um, I love him specifically for Indy because Oladipo may get traded in season. Yep. Um, He may not even be resigned to this team the following year, so you can develop him. Uh, he is very springy. I was going to bring up the shooting percentage. He also shot 73, 74% from the free throw line. Yeah. So you kind of believe in that three-point percentage because of the the typical indicators that you look at on how he's going to translate as a shooter in the NBA. He has those things. Those boxes are checked. Yeah. Um, I You mentioned his defense. Obviously, you, you focus on that Nora one, and that's great. But Nora, it really isn't like a, a, a ball on the ground type guy. He's more of like a spot up guy. So if he's yeah. defending spot up guys, absolutely. But if he's defending, you know, a, a guy who can put the ball on the ground and kind of shake, uh, you saw him not really be able to do that effectively in um, college. With you know, again, like every guy, especially in the second round, right? He, he may not. He's gonna obviously have holes in his game, right? So, but I th- I do think for Indy. It makes a lot of sense because one, he's going to even though Indy is always a a good team, they hardly ever get any attention. So he's going to be able to develop with less eyeballs on him as opposed to any other place that would have taken him pretty much. I, you know, and he the turnover, you know, the taking care of the ball was another area. in a lot of the key games that I've watched him in that were kind of question marks. But overall, I, I love the athleticism. I love the versatility he can give you minutes. You know, at a couple of different spots defensively, offensively, he's probably a little bit more limited, right? But um, overall, I, I like the 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 draft for the Pacers for your only pick to get Cassius Stanley. I thought that was a great a great get.
1: Yeah, and 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 to be fair, Cassius Stanley is not uh, a playmaker with the ball yet. By anyone, correct, right? So. So that's certainly another hole that's worth mentioning. I, I think your point's fair regarding kind of chasing spot-up shooters is a little easier than defending like dynamic playmakers. Um so that that's a that's a fair point. Um and then the one thing I kind of failed to mention like he just he just really can't do much with the ball yet. So that's why yeah. you know if he if he you know if you, if you're if you're, a, if you're an incredible athlete and you can shoot and you're a dynamic ball handler, you know, he'd be a lottery pick. That's why he wasn't. So he's going to have to develop as a decision maker, as you alluded to, and eventually he's going to have to develop as a more than just spot-up shooter because when you start getting run off the line at the NBA level, you've got to either be able to make a play for a teammate or you've got to be able to have some type of counter in your game from a creation standpoint, a mid-range jumper standpoint, or like a floater runner type type of deal. So uh, he's got a long way to go, but love where they got him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do too. And it's going to be interesting to see how new NBA head coach Nate Bjorken incorporates him at all. Um, he may just be a G League guy for the most of the season, but you know, a lot of their guards do have a little bit of injury history. You mentioned you know, Lamb, you mentioned Oladipo, you mentioned uh, you know, A lot of those guys will typically be in and out of the lineup due to injuries throughout the year. So he may get a little bit of burn this season, which will be fun to watch. All right, Lee, we're in the home stretch now. We got the L.A. teams left for the for the evening. We'll start with the Clippers. This should be, you know, pretty much abbreviated like Indiana. They ended up using their second round pick in an exchange with another team that we'll talk about at a different point. Right. But they have uh, they ended up getting Jay scrub um, with the 55th pick Um, ultimate. I don't know if I mentioned the grade that I gave the Pacers. I gave them a solid B um with yeah, where I they got
1: B plus and i don't think i mentioned that either
0: okay yeah so we're not far off from there all right but for the for the clippers with Jay scrub uh i i'm just going to give my analysis of him real quick
1: and I, I could i thought they ended up with oturu oturu yeah i'm i'm almost positive i could be wrong though i'm pretty sure
0: oh clippers- you're right yeah they did get him with the 33rd pick they yep that's right because that was a deal with the Knicks yeah and I'll obviously that's going to bump up my grade because I love O2 as well. Um, That's certainly going to bump it up. So I'm just going to go ahead and put, be put on the spot. I think a B plus for acquiring both of these guys. O2, you know, at the top of the second, I I think that that's great value. I really love You know, he, you mentioned earlier about how Hammonds is kind of like your template for an NBA big man. I think that O2 is right there too. Can block shots, can shoot the three, can rebound uh can put the ball on the ground a little bit you know mm-hmm. at the college level so we'll see how that translates in the nba um the clippers aren't really going to be asking a whole heck of a lot of them right off the jump which right. is great because they just got serge abaca they still have avisa subach they still have morris um you know patrick
1: and yep. i'm sorry patrick patterson too patrick so.
0: patterson they re him the, the guy who just uh, you know lives off of one-year contracts in the nba right so um they won't really ask a lot of them off the get. I think in about two seasons, you'll see him become a really good NBA player. I think two seasons is is what you really look at Otura and say, "Wow, like, how did this guy fall to the second round? And then for Jay Scrub, I love the idea of him. I just don't know how to accurately evaluate a guy who is a Juco player right. and you know, who's a supreme athlete, you know, compared to those guys. But you know, how much do we believe in the ball handling ability at at a high level? How much do we believe in the defense at a high level? The shooting, you know, all the important you know boxes that you have to check to be able to translate. How much of that does he? How much of that can you evaluate it? You know, at the JUCO level, Lee.
1: Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, look when I, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but it, you know, I was an NCAA Division II coach in, in my in my past career, and and we recruited quite heavily from the JUCO ranks because you get a player who's already mature, who's already used to playing against college uh, competition rather than a high school kid who is going to have to catch up with that speed of the game and things of that nature. So I have an affinity and a love for JUCO players, but I'm with you in the fact that I'm not sure how much of Jay Scrub's skill set is going to immediately transition to the NBA um, he, he was not in my top 60. Um, so, so didn't necessarily love that, but, uh, look, Daniel Oturu was 20th on my board. I think he is an, uh, a, a rare combination of rim protection and, 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 uh, being, being able to stretch the floor at the kind of four five position. Yeah. a um, little bit slow footed defensively. Um, a little bit, you, you worry a little bit of, about his ability to, to kind of pass out of the post, but, that Minnesota offense was just kind of inc- incredibly frustrating to watch. So I think Aturu is one of those players, <clears throat> excuse me, that will be a better player in the NBA because he's playing with better players. Yeah, uh, he'll have more space. He'll he'll be playing with more intelligent uh, off the ball players. He'll be playing with better guards who can get him the ball in spots that'll make him successful. Uh, he had to do a lot on that Minnesota team by himself. And totally agree with kind of your subnof- sub some subnopsis on where the Clippers front court rotation is and where the time horizon might be for Daniel Oturu's success. It's probably a year or two down the line, but I think they did great to get him there. So uh, and I love the Clippers offseason. I thought Serge Abaca was a crucial signing for them.
0: Um Luke but- Kennard on draft night.
1: Luke Kennard with the with the with the trade and then um Yeah, they picked up Nick Batum as well, which uh, as as a Charlotte fan uh, is tough to admit that it's it's a decent pickup for them, although I'm not sure how much he'll be able to contribute.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, is that it's um, kind of a low risk, high reward. There were a lot of contenders that were really trying to get a hold of him. I know that the Lakers were trying to chase him as well. Um, You know, back to Oturu, even though that he got great rebounding numbers, you still kind of question his intensity in that in that particular area like if you were to separate the stats from the game film i do feel like that he could have gone at the he could have attacked the boards even harder almost kind of like a la you know uh, joel Embiid. you know everybody questions his intensity at the nba level but he still ends up with like 30 and 15 on a nightly basis you know and he's not trying hard you know so kind of that same feel a little bit for daniel oturu um I, you know, in my in my gut feeling, I gave them a B plus. I may kind of walk that back a little bit to a B overall. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't like scrub for them at all. A- another p- potential place for Paul Reed, a Grant Riller, a Cassius Winston there, and I think all of those guys would have been a little bit better than a than a J scrub. Um, yeah. Ultimately, though, I love the O2 pick specifically for him going to the Clippers. I think that that is an outstanding pickup for them. I'm with you. Uh, all right, Lee. Last one, the Lakers. We we got to talk about them because they're a team that had a draft pick. They didn't draft, but in a roundabout way, they traded the pick who was Jaden McDaniels, who I'm really, really high on. Um, and that they traded that pick, which was twenty eighth pick, and Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Now we're grading their draft night. Obviously, they didn't draft. What do you think of you know how the Lakers handled draft night?
1: Well, look, it's no surprise uh, that a LeBron James-led team would trade a late first-round draft pick. I mean, it's well documented within Mm -hmm. LeBron James' career. He really doesn't love playing with young players. He hardly ever – you you hardly ever see a LeBron James team draft and keep a first-round prospect rather than flipping it for more immediate help. That's just been the blueprint. So –
0: Anthony and Davis. Right,
1: and, <laughs> and you can't argue with it. I mean, LeBron James won four titles. So uh, it, that so that didn't shock me by any means. I figured they would probably trade out of that. Um, I like Jaden McDaniels too. Not, I don't think quite as much as you do, but I do have some optimism and some hope for him as a two-way wing eventually in the NBA. Um, and and I love the Lakers offseason. I mean, the, yeah. get a guy like Dennis Schroeder who's basically – like a super rondo. I mean maybe not defensively, but from a playmaking standpoint the Lakers were so desperate for secondary playmaking alongside of LeBron before Rondo came back from injury in the bubble. And I you know I was tweeting about this at the time like everybody was like down on Rondo and it's like yeah, Rondo's not amazing, but the role that he's going to be able to fill as a as just a ancillary secondary playmaker on the ball without having to depend on LeBron to do everything like that's a big deal and it was a big deal
0: yeah um, even shot the ball a little bit
1: and he shot the ball it's like the 39 from three in the playoffs <laughs> yeah. so uh Montrez Harrell I think is the I think the Harrell Schroeder combination is perfect mm-hmm. um because You know they were both. They both led the league in scoring off the bench. They were the two top bench scorers in the league last year. Yep. On on nights where you don't, where you either want to load manage Anthony Davis, LeBron James, or you don't want to play them big minutes, you can. Or
0: one of them just is nicked up. I mean, Anthony Davis had like documented shoulder injuries all throughout the season.
1: Absolutely. And they just finished a grueling playoff run in the bubble, and they're going to have to start again in December. So, yeah,
0: two month turnaround, basically. I
1: think you can, on, there will be nights where the Lakers will just unleash a heavy diet of Schroeder, Harrell, pick and roll. And that'll be enough to generate offense on some nights to win against certain teams. Um, they also added Wes Matthews in free agency and Mark Gasol, who is all <laughs> yes. kind of a perfect antithesis to Montrez, Harrell. Gasol can also be like a primary defender on a guy like Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. If you want to hide Anthony Davis a little bit. So, you know, I know we're not talking off season too, too much here, but uh, from a macro standpoint, um, I love what the Lakers did in in their off season. And honestly, I think they got better.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to argue against that, right? You, you, you already mentioned the players that they, that they brought in, they brought back Mark Keefe Morris. You know, they, they still have, you know, Caruso. They still have, uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma on this team. They still have KCP. So they're still fairly deep, even though it feels yeah. like a lot of guys left. They traded out, you know, JaVale McGee. Dwight Howard is now in Philly. Uh, you know, uh, Danny Green ended up in Philly as well. Right. So a couple of like, you know, title Lakers ended up being on Philadelphia team. Right. So uh, I gave them an A plus because if you could draft Dennis Schroeder with the 28th pick right. <laughs> in this year's draft, like that's an absolute win. Uh, and you got off at of Danny Green, who everyone is still singing praises of how good of a player Danny Green has been overall his career. All right, cut the fat off of that argument and look at the past two off seasons. He has struggled. Yeah, in his in his role in particular is a three and d player he's more d at this point right now than he yeah. is the three he he didn't struggle in a particular series or even separate series the entire playoffs as a whole he struggled from downtown you get rid of him you bring in a west matthews who still gives you great defensive intensity and yeah. he can still provide you you know three-point shooting ability and your your point about mark Gasol, i think is you know very on point. It's going to be interesting that he and Serge Ibaka are going to battle against each other in L.A. pretty frequently. And you still have bigs out of the East that you have to contend with, too, that you already know that Mark Gasol can hold up his own against the Joel and be like he shut him out in an NBA game before. So you feel pretty good that you're not asking him to do too much, that he and Harold can play together, that he and Morris can play together that he and AD can play together that he and Kuzma like you see what I'm saying like he's Swiss a army knife yeah
1: yeah I, I think obviously you saw in the playoffs like Montrez Harrell is not a crunch time finishing type of player in the in in the big time playoff matchups just because of his you know his limited nature like from mm-hmm. a size standpoint and from a he just he just doesn't stretch the floor but he's the perfect guy um off the bench he's a perfect energy pick and roll, rim roll, offensive rebound, uh scrappy weak side player. defender. Weak side defender and, and especially on nights where maybe AD isn't either like you said either isn't 100% or just needs a night to rest, Harold can plug and play and give you like 18 and 10 on certain given nights. So, um yeah, I you know, it's hard it's hard to it's hard to say that the Lakers aren't the favorite. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't even... But the thing is, is that not only are they the favorite, but now you're in the conversation. We're straying away from the draft conversation right now. But now you're left with who's even the second best team in the NBA at large right now. Because so many teams are going to be looking way different. And you mentioned earlier Houston, Lee. I think that Houston has a chance to really be a good team. if, If everybody who voiced their unhappiness could just suck it up, and one realized that the decision makers, except for Tillman Fertitta, of course, are all gone. Like, Daryl Morey is gone, who helped sign P.J. Tucker to this contract that all of a sudden this season he hates. You know, um, (laughs) that Mike D'Antoni is gone, who all these questions and concerns about how, you know, everyone got a decreased role and nobody liked it he's now gone. You got Steven Silas who just got done helping run that happy Dallas Mavericks offense. That was historically potent, Yep, you know, running, you know, running, you know, the schemes and the systems and all that stuff. So if these guys can just like take a deep breath and I'm so glad that Houston stuck to their guns and say, we're willing to get uncomfortable because you can look at this Houston situation. If boogie can do anything at all, that's resembling to what he used to do. That's a win bringing in a Christian wood who can play alongside a guy like PJ Tucker is an absolute win. You know, they got guys on this team right now who can compete. And I think that because everyone is so focused of already picking apart a a Brooklyn Nets team that doesn't even exist yet. Right. You know, everyone is focused on that. I think that Houston could be really scary this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I again uh, to reiterate, I thought the Serge Ibaka signing was incredibly crucial for the Clippers. I think that keeps mm-hmm. them. I can't. I think that keeps them in the stratosphere because they kind of. And I heard someone else say this. This is not my original thought, but basically, I thought it was really well put. You know, Serge Ibaka in one player kind of replaced what the Clippers lost in two players in Montrezl Harrell and Jamichael Green. Kind of like a combination of both of them, and a better player than both of them, and has more playoff experience and cachet than both of them. Um, so I think Ibaka will pair perfectly with Kawhi. Um, I think Luke Kennard could show could show some some promise as kind of a slippery on the ball creator, and of course a shooter. Um, and and of course they still have a ton of other you know Lou Williams and Pat Beverly and, and all these other guys, and of course playoff p so uh, (laughs) yes we'll see how it all shakes out but uh nba is fascinating as always so i could i could talk macro nba for hours
0: i could as well and speaking of hours we've been on the show for about five minutes over one hour lee i just want to thank you man so much for your time we're going to have you on again to discuss the rest of these nba teams we're going to be covering about eight teams for the next couple episodes we have you on and we'll be done at that point but um Lee, do you have anything in the works, anything for your yourself in particular, or you know hoops prospects, you know anything that you want to share with the listeners and viewers?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, and and thank you for again for having me on. I'm uh, happy to jump on anytime with you guys. Y'all are the best. Um, a- again, obviously uh, follow me at which Carolina on Twitter. Uh, check out the which Carolina podcast if you get a chance, and you can see my articles at hoops pos- prospects dot com. Uh, run by rich harris who does a terrific job and i enjoy writing for him Um, i will have a kind of state of the franchise charlotte hornet's piece coming out over the next couple uh days or week-ish uh just kind of talking about gordon hayward and free agency and the draft picks and what the roster looks like uh now and moving forward um and then i'll start to kind of slowly but surely filter out some uh 2021 NBA draft stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm just dipping my toe in the, in the water of that class. And I'll tell you, it's an exciting class. So I'll be looking forward to talking, uh, 2021 draft eventually with you too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I got to start doing that. It's kind of like one of those unavoidable things that you, you know, you got to do, but you just want to kind of just like, I just got done doing the draft and free agency and all this other stuff. And now i got to get back on this chaotic cycle all over again but it's fun right when you actually get into it and do it but the idea of like so, i got to evaluate i got to evaluate a hun- at least a 100 prospects you know by the draft next season it's uh it's it's a big thought but um lee thank you so much for coming on man you're not only a great you know friend of our show here at breaking the game but just the off the ball network at large i know that you've done you know work with guys like chris lebron and, and couch coach live um just Lee thank you so much for coming on man especially again you know just thoughts and prayers out for my buddy Austin and yeah, his family.
1: Big Austin awesome, man missed missed having his uh his good input on the show as always.
0: Well I mean I'm sure you missed having somebody agree with everything yeah. you said so I mean that's <laughs> always nice to have. <laughs> but um yeah absolutely just keep Austin and his family in your thoughts and prayers. But as for my special guest Lee as for myself and the Breaking the Game show as for Off the Ball Network you know just real quick go to offtheballnetwork.com there you can find all of your sports needs that you'll ever want we got hockey, NFL, NBA, college you name it it's all on there just thank you guys so much for the love and support that you've given us here on the show and the network at large you are awesome we will catch up with you guys next time much love everybody